Welcome to another episode of Why Did I Like It? I am your host, the nefarious Mike A. Sims. We're going to hop right into it this week because time is very scarce. So last week, I did an episode about Hercules' Legendary Journeys, starring Kevin Sorbo and Michael Hurt, I believe. And we talked about Xena very briefly. So I decided to make a companion piece. And so this week, we're going to focus on Xena Warrior Princess to figure out why did I like this show about an Amazonian warrior, or I, I think she, was she Amazonian? I don't think she was Amazonian. I don't know. We'll figure it out. So just to go right into it, Xena was a spinoff of Hercules. Initially, the character of Xena, warrior princess, appeared as a villain in Hercules. Now, the character was supposed to die after their, it's like a three-episode arc where she was first a villain who had like a, a war, like a bunch of warriors or like mercenaries with her, and they would go around and they would pillage different villages, <laughs> pillage a village. So Hercules stopped her. Then Darfus, one of her generals, and I'm, as you can see, if you're watching the video version, if not, then you can, I'm, I'm not looking at the card. I just know this from history. But Darfus took over her army and decided to make them even more dangerous and villainous. And Hercules had given her a speech because sometimes heroes win with speeches and was like, hey, maybe you shouldn't go around destroying villages. And she's like, you know what? I never thought about it like that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. These shows that I love, it, it's sometimes hard to like take them serious as to how they pivot. So she ends up, you know, fighting against Darfus. She defeats him. And the producers saw such a positive reception to her that they decided to create a spinoff. Now, the spinoff premiered in 1995 and ran for six seasons. But somehow, even with that, it still lasted longer than Hercules, which was also six seasons. So seasons in television don't really make sense to me a lot of the time. But where Hercules ended in 1999, Xena went on until 2001, which is crazy. Uh, Xena starred Lucy Lawless as the titular hero, Xena, and Renee O'Connor as her friend, Gabrielle. Well, she was like a bard because Gabrielle's whole thing in the beginning was that she would detail all the exploits and the heroics of Xena because Xena decided after she had spent years being a horrible person, she was like, after Hercules' talk, I'm about to just go ahead and act like none of that happened and be a good guy now. And nobody said anything. As a matter, oh, I'll get to that later. I'll get to that later. I'll get to that later. Anyway, so she decided to start going around having adventures. It was basically a female version of Hercules, except she wasn't a demigod, but like Xena was wildly strong. Like she was crazy overpowered. Like she could take down 16 dudes by herself. Not 16 men and women, like 16 soldiers alone. Actually, let's backtrack real quick. So when Rob Tapert, who was the creator of Xena, who also had a hand in making Hercules, saw the positive response to the character, he and his executive producers, who was also Sam Raimi, who was the director of Spider-Man 1, 2, and 3, as well as Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness, just in case you care about any of that, and these, again, are things that I just know. <laughs> I'm not looking at the cards. I'm just saying this because I just know these things. As a matter of fact, Rob Tapert, the creator of Xena, is married to Lucy Lawless, the star of Xena. More information you don't really need. But they were like, you know what? Let's try this. Let's give it, let's give it a whirl. Uh, last week's episode, I already explained how the action zone, the action pack, whatever you want to call it, the universal time slots work. So I'm not going to go back over that. But needless to say, Xena wasn't launched with a TV movie. It just appeared after her original arc in, in Hercules. And the character and the show became so popular that it actually, which I didn't know about until I started researching for this, surpassed Hercules in its second season and was the higher rated or the highest rated syndicated show. Hercules in the first season was the highest rated. And after that, Xena just took over and I don't think it ever relented its popularity. And whereas Hercules kind of stayed the course and was, I mean, aside from when it went to Ireland and everything like that, Xena, for the most part, evolved until they would 
I mean, it was very loosely of its time period. Like they would bring in Judeo-Christian because it started with Greek gods, but then it eventually went to like Judeo-Christian gods, and like Asian gods and things like that. It wasn't with very little regard to like time and place and like how it made sense, you know? So they were, they were going <laughs> to a very different place. I think in one episode, and I could be mistaken, but I believe it was Xena. There was an episode where they actually encountered Abraham from the Bible. <laughs> so they were really just going for it. But yeah, so the show showed crazy success uh, right away. And it also featured a lot of characters from Hercules that I-, I failed to mention last week because I was, again, we were crunched for time, but there were characters that crossed over like Joxer the Mighty, who was this pretend warrior who would essentially say to people that he was this great uh, protector of humans and human life and villages and he would stop warlords. But realistically, he was just making songs about himself and he would just kind of walk around just saying how great he was without actually having done anything. He was actually played by... Sam Raimi's brother, Ted Raimi, which is hilarious also. But he started in Hercules, but he really found his footing in Xena, where the series basically made him into a comedic foil for Xena, where she would actually accomplish these things. And Joxer would be like, I was there too. There was also another, you know, because Sam Raimi was the director of the Evil Dead movie starring Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell himself made an appearance in Xena as Autolycus, well, and also in Hercules, who was known as the King of Thieves. And he was this like roguish, like charming guy who would come in and be like, ah, I can steal anything. But he had like a heart of gold and he was very bad at it. That's like a recurring theme in the Xena theories, series is that like there's people who are, are terrible at things and Xena's like, well, you could be great just because of Hercules' speech. And they just kind of end up finding their way. Uh, Ares, who I also touched on in the Hercules episode, I'm going to stop referring to the Hercules episode now after this, was also a recurring protagonist in the Xena show, but then Xena, <laughs> the Xena show, but Xena and Ares, because they both, well, because he was a villain and she had a villainous past, they had more of like a, it was like a, like a will they, won't they sometimes about like them actually ending up together. But anyway, the first few episodes were just Xena going around from village to village, just like Hercules, just kind of solving these people's problems. And then it got real sci-fi, and that's when I loved it because they eventually changed course from her doing a monster elite type situation to more overarching story, arcing stories. I don't know how to say the word. And so my personal favorite villain in the whole series was Callisto. Callisto was this person when Xena was on her pillaging. Okay, hold on. Let me backtrack real quick. So, okay, you know what? It's rant time. So now, as a fan of Hercules, I've been a staunch defender of how cheesy the show was. Obviously, I know that the special effects weren't up to par. They weren't the best. But at the end of the day, there was a goofy fun behind it. Xena, although I did love it, and I still do to this day, always seemed more serious than Hercules. Like, where Hercules was like, oh, I'm fighting a Hydra or I'm fighting a giant. Xena was like, we have to do this. We have to do that. Like, I don't remember her ever really cracking many jokes. There were jokester characters around her, but she was always very serious. And when you're a kid and, like, someone is that intense you know even like oscar the grouch used to make me very uncomfortable and very anxious like he's gonna be mad at something i don't want to deal with oscar the grouch because he's always angry and there's nowhere for me to go when he's upset the same thing with xena i was like i loved watching her i loved watching this show because it was so action-packed and it was it was awesome but it was like whereas hercules could have a moment of levity and he'd make a joke or something or or Icar- icarus or I also make a joke. Like Xena was like, she was just focused on the mission. Except for one episode, which was called A Day in the Life, where she basically was just hanging out with, with Gabrielle for an entire day. That is my favorite episode ever. But other than that, Xena just always seemed like she was about to just, I mean, she was a warrior. I mean, she was a villain. So it made sense that she still had that, you know, about her. But it just made me very uncomfortable because I was like, oh, it's about to go down. Whatever, anything happened. All right, rant over. Anyway, 
So getting back to it, Kalisto was my favorite villain because Kalisto was a byproduct of Xena's villainous past. Kalisto's backstory was that Xena had gone to her village and burned it down and destroyed it and took everything. Now, Xena in the beginning was just a ruthless warlord, but then they kept kind of retconning the, her past and was like, she wasn't ruthless. She just did things because she felt like she had to. And she was such a great warrior. She was kind of tricked into it. And by the time Kalisto came around, even though in the Hercules you know, season series, she had outright said she'd murder everybody in the town. Now it was like, well, I accidentally kicked over a lamp and it accidentally burned the town down. <laughs> and it was like, oh, whoops, whoopsie. And so she had to, sorry, I just realized, okay, okay, I guess, okay, it's time to feed you baby birds. It's time to feed you, it's time to feed you real quick. Retconning is a staple of Sam Raimi, the director of Spider-Man. And it's most prevalent in Spider-Man 3. And I know you're like, what does Spider-Man have to do with Xena? This director always does it. So as an executive producer, executive producers actually, what their role is, is to pay for the show and also influence the creative direction of the show a lot of times. So there's certain times where producers will try to soften a character's edge. Now, right at the gate, you have characters who people love because their quirkiness, because their their attitudes, because of how how you know dope they are. But producers sometimes think, mm, will the audience connect with this? Not realizing that they're using their own biases and not actually thinking of the audience. Then they'll have something where now, just like Spider-Man, where you had to retcon in Spider-Man 3 that Uncle Ben wasn't killed by a random person. He was killed by the Sandman, who was the villain. The same producer had Xena now have to go back and be like, well, she didn't really kill women and children. She just killed other warriors who she was trying to take their land from. So she accidentally killed the women and children. Which makes the whole thing even more ridiculous because her whole arc, her whole thing about life is that I was horrible and now I have to be better. And he was like, well, you're just doing your job. Anyway, so yeah, there you go. But anyway, again, to the Kalisto thing, basically Xena accidentally killed her family. So Kalisto spent her entire life, even though by the time she meets Xena, she's like the same age as Xena, but whatever. She spent her entire life being driven by this revenge against Cena. Cena. Oh my goodness. I just said Cena. John Cena. John Cena Warrior Princess. John Cena Warrior Princess. You can't see her. Um and so she ends up being one of her most formidable villains. And as the series went on, Kalisto had to lived, that she died. She became immortal. She came back. She became a demon. She became an archangel. But this actress was so committed to the unhinged lunacy of Callisto that, and I, I can't think of her name off top, that she made her such a compelling villain. And anytime anything changed for her, it was fantastic. And her arc actually mirrored one where Gabrielle was essentially impregnated by the equivalent of Satan in the Hercules Xena universe, Dayhawk. And when she was impregnated, she had a daughter named Hope. Now, Gabrielle thought that she would be able to change this obvious demon spawn's life and therefore ended up making a costly mistake. Across the series, Xena eventually also had a child named Sloane. When Sloane was put in danger, Xena put him into this area in a town and Gabrielle was like, well, Sloane is there. Let me put Hope there also to keep them both safe. And then Hope killed Sloane, which is Xena's son. It was wild. And this was what the series had become after a while. It was very heavy on like, character development and that caused a rift between the two of them Gabrielle and Xena I'm speaking for a very long time because obviously I mean Gabrielle's daughter killed Xena's son so I mean how do you really come back from that once uh, Hope murked Sloane actually Hope also murked Xena's uh, Sloane's father actually Hope also murked uh, Sloane's adopted centaur father my goodness was Hope the biggest villain 
Anyway, yeah, and then Hope brought back Callisto, who had taken this Ambrosia of the Gods and became a god, and then somebody trapped her in lava, but then Hope released her from lava to help her fight someone. I don't know. The thing is, the show got really dense with the mythology, whereas Hercules, like I said before, had stayed, like, you know, surface level. Xena was getting more and more, in, like, intricate with character development and character relationships and, and different things. And as, as it went on, the fandom was was incredible. I remember the PlayStation game that came out wasn't the best, but I know that it did well compared to other games that were based on TV shows or, or ISPs or properties, what you want to call them before, because Xena and Gabrielle were becoming such staples of pop culture. And especially because she had this weapon that was called a chakra. Okay, also, Xena's battle cry was, I'm about to back up from the microphone, now, I can do that perfectly because I used to do it when I was young. I still have my Xena action figure. My cousins used to be like, you play with Xena dolls? Yes. Yes, I do. Because Xena's fantastic. What's wrong with you? If you don't like Xena, there's something wrong with you, son. So she had this thing called the Chakram, and it was a circular weapon. And it was essentially like Captain America's shield, where it didn't adhere to any law of physics. didn't make any sense. And she would chuck it, and it would like... Okay, it was razor sharp, but there were some episodes where it would just knock people out, but it would hit them in the face and knock them out. And other times it would be so sharp it could like cut a rope that's made of like steel. So like it just changed physics based on the need for the episode. And the Chakram and Xena and everything like that were just, they, they became literally pop culture staples. As a matter of fact, in Pasadena, California, starting in 1998 and also some parts of London, they started doing a Xena convention that goes to this day. It's still super popular. As a matter of fact, they started putting together a reboot of the show. I don't need this card anymore. I'm chucking my card if you guys can hear me on the podcast. They said they were going to reboot the show in 2015. Lucy Lawless, the star of the show, was super excited. Sam, Ra- Sam uh, Raimi, Rob Taper, they were super excited to, to reboot the show. But then they, they were caught up creatively as to where they wanted the show to go. So, they, so everything kind of stopped on it. But just the fervor surrounding the idea of Xena being rebooted made the show boost again on streaming and, and DVD sales. Just the thought of Xena coming back alone made people like, oh, snap, I got to catch up. And also funny about the show is that Gabrielle, who started out as this very like naive, she was a farm girl. She wore robes. She was very covered up. If you watch the series as it progresses and Renee O'Connor like gets more entrenched in the character, she goes from not using weapons at all and just writing things down on a scroll to then using a bow staff and having slightly smaller outfits to by the last season, she's in a full-on just bikini and short skirt, and she's using size like she's Raphael from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's a crazy character transformation. But one that I appreciate because I'm like, it's an, you have to evolve characters over time. If she would have been stagnant, it would be crazy. Xena also changes because, yeah, they retconned the backstory, made it so she like accidentally murked an entire family. Murked. Murked. But she also became more of like, I don't like I want it's I don't want to say a softer character because she was still like a ruthless like fighter like she was very formidable. I want to say she became more relatable because in the beginning it was like like I said she was very like she was very much about just getting the mission done and just saving these people and getting out of this town. But by the end she would like hang out with people. She had like friends like she was whatever. And in the final 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 season, I don't exactly remember how it ended up happening, but Gabrielle became an Amazon queen. That's where the Amazon thing came from. And Xena died. And so Gabrielle ends up traveling on a boat to continue to help saving people. But Xena's just a spirit. It was such a bummer ending because Hercules and Aeolus were just like, let's chill on this rock. We're not going to, I keep comparing it to Hercules. I'm sorry, guys. I have to. And Xena's like, she died. She died saving Gabrielle. She also brought Callisto from being a demon 
to an angel because honestly, I mean, she had to atone for those sins because she killed, she murked this entire family. Could you imagine if she'd have lived? Could you imagine if Kalisto, who just was a little girl who lost her entire family, was was banished to hell or Hades or whatever it is? And Athena's like, well, too bad for you. Shame on you. Shame. 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 For trying to kill me and my best friend. But, um... Yeah, so I know th- I know that there was a lot that I packed into this episode because unlike Hercules, where I was very fascinated by like the background and had a kiddish thing connection to it, Xena was really the storylines were just once they got past that monster of the week thing, which is a trope in Hollywood where you know a, a show will have a monster pop up for one week, the heroes defeat it, and then they kind of move on, and there's like some plot development. Xena kind of f- decided to forego that for a while and just become serialized, which was awesome. And at that point, you know, the show had really started to gain a couple because that's what it is. And a lot of a lot of creators don't realize that that it's not about when shows dip in quality, it's because the mythos either becomes too convoluted or it's no longer respected. If you respect the viewer's time and patience with TV shows and with any storytelling device, really, then they will reward you with their constant attention and also their money. And Supernatural understood that. And a few shows do understand that. But a lot of them, they like they don't they don't get excuse me, the basic tenets of what it is that keeps people interested. And Xena did. And that's why, you know, to answer the three questions, why did I like it? It was a show about two people traveling around, solving mysteries and having adventures. That's literally the basis of my entire life. I think me and the Overlord actually were trying to do that for a few times. I think we would just travel around and just do things because we just always wanted to be those guys. And I listen. That's going to happen in the future still. Do I still like it? Oh, absolutely. The reason why I didn't watch an episode today is because I already know that I love Xena. There's no, there's no reason. Like, Hercules, I had to watch him like, I know I loved it as a kid, but I, w- I, w- I still wasn't sure. Xena, I'm like, I know I love Xena. I would watch Xena now. I probably will actually watch it after this. And does it hold up? Oh, yeah. If you rebooted Xena with, you have to pay, if you did like a Wednesday type situation or like a, even like a Fresh Prince situation where you didn't make it too serious, but you you paid homage to the original. You you used the characters that you had. The budget of these days, oh my goodness. Like, could you imagine what they'd be able to put together? Like Xena on Netflix, goodness. Shadow and Bone on Netflix has a crazy budget. I know they cancel shows right and left, but their budgets, put it on Amazon Studios. They already got Lord of the Rings. Let's do it. Anyway, uh, to put a button on this episode, Xena is fantastic. It holds up to this day. Ladies and gentlemen, let's bring it back. I've been the Nefarious Mike A. Sims. You can follow me on at Mike A. Sims on all social media. Follow at People's Media Network. We're now on TikTok, so go look at that. We're going to post some new things. We have shows out there. Check that out. I'll be back next week, of course. I have been the Nefarious Mike A. Sims. As I said before, you have been fantastic, and I will see you on the flip side of humanity. <laughs>